we have representatives from uh, those organizations who are co-sponsoring, um, who are going to be on a panel, and I'll kind of introduce them as they're going to be talking. So um, uh, let's move direct, uh, unless uh, you think otherwise, let's move directly into our first uh, panelist, who is unfortunately uh, ill and uh, couldn't be with us uh, in person, but he's, uh, he, he's called in by phone. So uh, Will Burley uh, from Austin, Tech, Texas, protection and advocacy of uh, people, uh, social security, um, an advocate for them. So he, he graduated from the CAP program, which is the Consumer, Ad Consumer Advocacy Program. So he's one of these people who jumps in when uh, there's a problem between a consumer, which is or client, if you prefer, and and the agency, the the rehabilitation agency. So uh, and he's from Austin, Texas, and I, I thought he, I would ask him to uh, give about five minutes, sort of general for those people who are thinking of starting a business and really haven't um, approached the uh, rehabilitation agency yet. What are the you know what are the sort of the fundamentals that you need to know uh, when you walk in the door and and start looking for money and assistance to start your own business? So, Will, if you're there and ready to go, please uh, go ahead. All right, thank you, Doug, um, and hello, everyone. Um, I apologize for not being able to be there, um, but in general, uh, vocational uh, rehabilitation is able to help uh, clients or consumers um, that are interested in self-employment or starting a business, they're able to support those individuals. They're also able to assist uh, those that already have an existing business and are trying to expand. Uh, it's gonna be handled differently in every state and territory. Um, so the best thing that um, you should do is probably talk to one of those lovely um, and handsome panelists <laughs> at the table or uh, to contact your um, protection and advocacy organization in your state um, and either talk to the client assistance program or CAP or the Protection and Advocacy for Beneficiaries of Social Security. We call it TAB because that's a mouthful to say all the time. Um, and uh, the PAPS program can help you uh, with vocational rehabilitation issues if you are a beneficiary of Social Security, uh, SSDI or SSI. Um, now when it comes to um, getting um, a support for self-employment, the first thing you have to say is that you're interested in self-employment. And that is supposed to get that, count, that counselor, that VR counselor, uh, to start uh, talking to you about certain steps. And as I said, it's different for every state. Um, but according to the federal regs, um, they can help you with um, things like getting your business plan developed, 
um, doing market uh, analysis, and any other uh, support or resources to get you on the path to see if this is a good fit for you. And it's not going to be a good fit, good fit for everyone. But when you bring up the fact, like, as I said, that you're interested in self-employment, they're supposed to help you determine if that is the, the right goal for you. Um, now, what is self-employment? It's going to look different for everyone. Um, as many people as there are in the world, there's that many difference, uh, uh, that many businesses plus some. Um, so it's going to be a lot of communication with your uh, vocational rehabilitation counselor. Um, Self-employment does not move as fast, and I use that um, with a slight grin on my face as um, when you're working with your counselor to just find a job. It does take a little bit longer because there are more um, items that you have to go through. You know, vocational rehabilitation will not, uh, in most cases, unless it's uh, state-specific, um, they won't be able to help you start a nonprofit or um, help you start a general partnership. Um, you must be the owner, um, so it must be um, sole uh, proprietor or a single member LLC uh, in most cases. Um, so your counselor will talk to you about that. And once you decide which um, avenue you want to take, whether it's going to be a sole business or a single member LLC, you'll want to get your counsel, your VR counselor uh, to send you for uh, benefits counseling if you are a beneficiary, uh, because with having an LLC or a um, limited liability uh, corporation, you're, there are certain things that could affect your uh, taxes and your um, benefits. So once you decide which route you want to take, you want to get with your counselor uh, to send you for benefits counseling. Will? And if you have, I'm sorry? Uh, oh. uh, Dan Sibler, just one thought or comment. Um, for sure, I'm not sure, but uh, it's understood that yeah, you have to be a sole proprietor or an LLC to get rehab services. However, once you're established, mm -hmm. you are free then to become a C-Corp or S-Corp, right? Or not? It, de it depends on the state. Like here in Texas, they will not help um, with um, becoming an S-Corp. Um, some states they can because if you're trying to expand, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're trying to expand your existing business, you can make the argument that they can. Um, in my um, experience, a lot of DSUs uh, or state um, vocational rehabilitation agencies tend not to want to do um, the S-Corps. Okay. 
but they will help in other areas. Um, and I think, um, oh, and if you have already received uh, benefits counseling <clears throat> um, through the incentive uh, planning assistance uh, project, that is funded by uh, the Social Security Administration. Um, that's a free service, but if you have a, an open vocational rehabilitation case, you can ask your um, counselor to uh, refer you back over there so they can get up-to-date information on what your employment goal is. So you can understand how um, the particular avenue of self-employment that you're choosing is going to affect not only your benefits, but any other um, services that you may be getting. And I think with that, I'll um, turn it over uh, back to Doug, because I don't want to get too far into the weeds. <laughs> Unless there are questions. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and and we will we will have questions at the end. So um, if you have a question, uh, please uh, hang on to it for the moment. Okay. Um, and then uh, so next we have um, we have Dan Sipple, who is the president of the Randolph Shepherd Vendors of America from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and uh, he's going to talk about the. Uh, uh, Randolph Shepard program and the business enterprise program that is part of that. Well, thank you, Doug. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, pass on what information I've gleaned uh, throughout my life. But first, I probably should give you my um, two-minute introductory elevator speech. Um, again, as Doug mentioned, I'm from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, which is 90 miles east of Minneapolis-St. Paul, but I was born and raised in central Wisconsin. My parents owned a farm implement dealership, and they sold international harvester equipment. My dad was a blacksmith, so I was five years old out sweeping the shop floor. I come from, uh, I've got seven brothers and two sisters, and I'm the second to the youngest of the group, and have um, retinitis pigmentosa. Four of us boys have RP and four don't. The two girls uh, do not have it. And so I always knew I was gonna lose my eyesight right from the child on because I never could see at night. And it, I, it didn't bother me because I uh, relied on my brothers. They would, you know, we'd run around at night and we'd run full tilt down, down the highway or through the woods or whatever else, hanging out to my brother. Only once in my life did my older brother run me smack into a telephone pole. <laughs> so that's how much faith you have in your family and you develop that and learn who you can trust and uh, who you maybe want to be somewhat uh, sensitive to. But as, so I, you know, and I'm, I always feel with RP, I'm one of the more fortunate ones in the blindness community because it's a, a progressive degressive disease and I had, you know, usable vision most of my uh, life. I drove a car up until uh, 30 years ago and so I did a lot, but as my eyes digressed, I could adjust, and I could plan ahead. I could plan, you know, and my vision always was to travel as much as possible to, you know, get as many imprints in the mind of what the world is all about. It was with that mind, and when I was 
14 years old. I um, you know, worked for various farmers around because if we wanted spending money, we had to earn it ourselves. And so I worked for farmers. And then when I was 14 and a half, I went to work for a trucking company, basically washing trucks. And we learned, became a diesel mechanic. And when I was going to college, I did that through high school, every weekend and holidays. We basically worked 24-7 most of the time. And uh, when I was in college, you know, a truck tire fell on me while I was bent over at the waist, crushed my back. Um, and, you know, okay, that limits my work on diesel engines because at that time a head on a diesel engine weighed, you know, 250 pounds and with a crushed back, it's pretty difficult to handle. So I uh, stepped down to, um, you know, autom automobiles and worked as an automobile, learned the functions of an automobile car and became an auto mechanic. Then I became a service manager and while well, I was in college and stuff, working my way through uh, with assistance from DVR. And it would develop that. And my dream always was, you know, with my bad back and degressive eye disease that I wanted to own a small business. You know, born and raised in a small business in a farming community, uh, I wanted that independence. DVR was not very amenable um, to small business back in the 70s um, in, because of the significant expense, out, uh, initial outlay. And I, not having been involved in the blindness community or disability community, I had very little knowledge of what was technically available other than what the one counselor would tell me. And you know, now I could form a good argument why this should happen, be why, why do not why do not I have the right to have a small business and be an entrepreneur? And so anyway, when I was 18, they offered me, they made me aware of the Randolph Shepard program. I said, no, I got good vision yet. I had, you know, 20, 40 vision and 70 degrees peripheral yet then. And, uh, and good in my color perception, death perception were, you know, I thought good, but uh, others will tell me different, you know. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and, so I, well, there are other things. So I, so I, you know, pursued the auto mechanics part, and you know, and and as time, then the state of Wisconsin passed an auto repair law, and they wanted people with automotive background to enforce it. So I said, okay. They approached me, and I says, well, yeah, okay. I haven't thought about that. You know, so I filled out the application, went through the test. I think I you know, variety of tests they had to go through at that time for state employment and they were successful in getting the job. And I it was uh, what then I did I enforced the auto repair law for two years, nothing but auto repair. Uh, and then it branched out. Uh, I I get bored easy. You know, so I branched into the other aspects of the division and did um, all white collar crime. Uh, you know corrupt crime uh, organizations and stuff like that. And did that for 21 years and had felt that it's time to give that up. You know, um, you know I had to give auto mechanics because as it digressed, I digressed, I couldn't no longer see the timing marks on a car. If some of you are old enough to remember what a timing mark on a car is, I couldn't no longer see that. But even though I had mechanics that do it, but I still, and so I did the, my stint with the state and, I got to the point where my eyes digressed more, 
in, in northern Wisconsin, our courthouses are quite been around a while, and the lighting is not dim. And as you know, with RP, you need, need well-lit areas. And when you're trying to prosecute the CEO of General Motors or Firestone, which we did at the time, and I was the, uh, the lead investigator on them, and, and you're in front of a jury testifying on a witness stand, and you ask for a magnifier, juries don't understand. Society doesn't understand low vision. And they say, well, how did you... You know, get a hold of General Motors or Firestone's records and analyze them and, and, and come to the conclusion that they committed this crime. And I said, because I can do it. And my mother always says, never dare Dan, he'll do it. <laughs> you know, he'll, he'll get it done. And I, I used to get irritated with her for saying that when she'd tell my relatives that, but that's kind of the German heritage I have. I'm determined. Some people call it bullheaded, but I didn't call it determination. But, you know, so we progressed through, you know, declining vision and so on and so forth. But then when I bailed out of the state service, you know, because I just didn't feel comfortable, you know, and the state offered me other positions and whatever else, and I, you know, did that for a while, and I just didn't feel I was accomplishing what I wanted to accomplish. And uh, then they come through, and they, we got another opening for business enterprise program. And I said, well, three times, and you're out. You only get three strikes in a ball game. So I, I took it, and as it turns out, it's the absolute best thing I ever did in my life. Um, I finally got to own my own business, no investment, because even when I was in college, if I would have got my way and still had an auto parts store, as you know, 90% of small businesses fail within the first two years, and you got a lot of money invested with the business enterprise program. You invest very little, if any, money. So you got you own a business, and you can provide you for your family, and feel comfortable in giving back to society and providing good customer service. Uh, and but there is a glitch. It's um, in the past ten years, a lot of SLAs, you know, have been somewhat reluctant to bring new people in. So you got to kind of lean on your VR counselor and really get with them. And uh, you know, say, hey, okay, here's what we want, or, or, or is there anything? If, you know, whether it's you want to be in the business enterprise program or you want uh, in the food service industry or whatever, it can be done. And you have to remind your counselor that blind and visually impaired and hearing impaired are the two most costly disabilities to rehabilitate. Statistics have shown that it is the fastest recovery of the government's investment of any other disability. And counselors are not aware of that, and you find if you are interested in the business enterprise program, or if you know of someone that's interested in business enterprise, a lot of counselors are not aware of the program, especially if they've just been on a couple of years. And then so you, you need to ask and sometimes educate the counselors, kind of like we do with ACB, we educate the legislators. Well, sometimes it's our responsibility to educate the VR counselors too to let them know what's available and that, that there are alternatives. If, you, you know, if you're not interested in food service or vending service or advent to micromarkets now and, and pantries and stuff, you know, food service or any other uh, issue you know, is, is possible. Any, anything's possible if you have the will, if you have the desire to be independent. And there's so many advantages to being a, an entrepreneur um, I have three daughters. 
All three graduated with their master's degree, business, summa cum laude. They currently pay more in income taxes than I earned most of my life. Each year they pay that it's an ginormous amount of income tax. That, and uh, uh, education is so important. That's why we, as a group, one of the we sponsored a student scholarship because, you know, I firmly believe in the entire RSV. Firmly believes that education is the best tool ahead. However, what you want to guard, guard for is that when I served my stint on the SRC for Wisconsin the State Rehab Council, the Rehab was in a mode at that time under that current director that we'll do the heavy lifting and let somebody else do the rest, which meant she meant, well, we'll pay for your college tuition and we'll pay for your vocational school education. You find a job on your own is what she was saying. And that's literally what she meant. Don't accept that. And don't let your friends or relatives accept that. There are opportunities in you know, the business enterprise crew, uh, you know, that you know, it's the federal money, it's generally not state money. So the, you know, don't feel bashful about pursuing it if they are reluctant to. But the, your bigger problem probably to educate VR that the program actually still exists because it's been in a decline mode for a number of years now. So since the economy crashed, particularly, so um, you know, be be prepared to educate. And as like Will says, there's a few more steps involved in um, you know being a, an entrepreneur uh, and. My theory is because it's a larger investment and the risks are a little higher rather than training someone to go put uh, nut A and bolt B, you know, I, you know, that's not my, you know, cup of tea, you know, and the advantage, you know, of sole proprietorship is, you know, you are your own boss, but you always have to remember, you will be your worst boss. <laughs> and because uh, time will get away from you but you have the freedom, you have the employees that can take you on errands as, uh, let me, I'm gonna say it, as a business expense, even though it's a personal errand. Uh, I'm getting t tapped on the shoulder here, so I better step aside, but you know, just remember, you know, we're always in education mode, whether it's legislators or with the VR counselors. It's a constant issue, and if you want, or know of anyone that wants to be an entrepreneur, Tell them to be prepared to talk and speak eloquently. Thank you. Great, thanks, Dan. So, so the business enterprise program basically trains you to, uh, you know, helps train you to run the business, and then also they have vacancies that you fill in exist, usually in existing uh, enterprises, right? Okay, so that's, that's a distinct, that's one side of it. So if you want to walk into a business that has been running but, you know, needs a, ma a new manager and, you know, and that kind of thing, um, that may be the way to go, either vending or a, a convenience store or a uh, mess hall. You know, those kinds of things are, are under the, the, the business enterprise program and, and the, uh, the Randolph Shepard program. Now, if you want... Um, is there... There's no other program in the world like it. It's very unique yeah. because of no investment or minimal investment uh, and is uh, supervised. So regardless of your education level, intellectual level, whatever, you, you will qualify for it if you have the gut instinct to own your own business. Right. And they'll, they'll help you with uh, equipment, you know, repair and replacement of equipment uh, for which, you know, you pay back into the system. But um, so that's, that's one avenue. 
Now I want to switch over to the more independent avenue. And uh, Artis Bazin is the president of the, uh, the uh, Ivy, <laughs> Independent Visually Impaired Entrepreneurs. And um, she's going to talk about some of the organizations that, uh, that VR will sort of steer you to in terms of setting up your, your own business. <clears throat> yes, um, I was a vendor first. I was a vendor for almost 20 years, and I decided to go back to school and change to something else because I had been speaking and writing and training on the side, and I liked that more than food service management. So I looked into entrepreneurship. Well, when I looked into it, uh, first of all, I always tell people to look at your skills and sk see if your skills, if you're currently working or not working, see if they lead into a business on your own. Um, so if you like computers, do a lot of computer stuff, you might be able to be a computer tech on your own. And for me, I like speaking and writing and training, so I started my business in that. So when I started it, I wanted to get a grant so I could get a newer computer, and I wanted to have a, you know, get some, be able to pay for some marketing to market my business. I wanted to take classes, etc. So I checked into what was available, and I found that the. Small Business Administration, and they have a website, sba.gov, and they have lots of resources for people wanting to be an entrepreneur. They have a sample business plan, which kind of gives all the headings and explains exactly what you need to write under those categories. They have um, links to different offices throughout the country, each state, has um, a community development center, um, at least one in your state, and depending on the size of your state, most of the, your larger cities have a small business development center. And some call it a community development center. They're labeled a little differently. But you can find them through the sba.gov website or uh, the score.org, S-C-O-R-E.org. SCORE is an organization of retired business owners who want to help new entrepreneurs. And so when I first started my business, I went and found a, a development center in Iowa at the time I was living there, and they helped me with my business plan and make sure I wrote a a decent business plan, and then I was able to apply for a grant. Now, in Iowa at the time, they did have grants up to $10,000 for people wanting to have a business in Iowa at that time. And most states will have grants. Now, they are different sizes and different uh, programs in each state, but they're all under the um, sba.gov. Um, now... I was going to be moving to California, so I wasn't able to qualify for their grant, so I had a lift in California. But I found another organization 
it was um, opportunities for the blind, and I was able to get a, a grant through them. That was a nationwide grant. And I don't think they're any longer in existence, but uh, I was able to get a grant then. And then I moved to California, and I found a development center in Glendale, which was nearby. I lived in Burbank. And I went there and talked to some of their SCORE representatives. I talked to one about marketing, and he helped me look at my business plan and my marketing plan and flush it out more, that it would be better. And then I talked to a person um, in their office that worked with trying to get um, government or state um, um, so I could work with them and get paid through some of those if I wanted to get certification. And so they have uh, different areas. I know they give, tell, give you social networking training. They can give you training in um, accounting for a business. Uh, they can tell you how to start your own restaurant. Um, they have lots of different training because they have people that have worked in all different fields of entrepreneurship. Now, some offices charge you fees for some of the classes, and some of the classes are free. So you kind of just have to look through the list and see which ones would be most advantageous for you. Some of the higher, like um, website design, some of those they do charge fees. Um, Or if you want to know how to build your own website, some of those charge higher fees. So... You do have to look and see what you're willing to pay. But you might be able to get your uh, vocational um, rehabilitation person to help you cover some of those costs if you've you know, worked with your rehab counselor in that area. Um, there's other um, national, of course. Ivy has a website, ivie-acb.org. And there's lots of business resources on there. There's different links to articles. There's links to different um, organizations and government agencies. Also, the RSVA website has a business resources section where they also have things for entrepreneurs that are looking to improve their business. So there's all different kinds of resources out there. And I'm, I think uh, Doug is going to talk about a a resource we can send you an email after the session, too, so you can have some uh, some of those will be listed in there so you don't have to remember them all. <laughs> okay, well, I'll let it go at that, and then we'll take questions later. So, Great, thanks. Um, uh, next, we're going to listen to, um, or we're going to hear from uh, Darian Slayton Fleming from Portland, Oregon. And um, she is going to talk about a more localized uh, source of uh, funding to help you uh, develop your business. As Doug said, I'm Darian Sleeton Fleming. I'm from Portland, Oregon. And I have been in the social ser- service arena since the 70s and had jobs in the um, social service arena. Um, but... In 2009, I started job searching again and just ran into so much um, difficulty with companies that wanted me to have a driver's license, (laughs) 
to do my job and and other things that and and I just got tired of um, having to prove myself to people. So um, I finally decided to go into private practice as a clinical social worker. I do vocational counseling and mental health counseling. I am a licensed clinical social worker and a certified vocational rehabilitation counselor. Um, So I wanted to start my own business, and I really didn't have money for office space and liability insurance. And um, I also um, found that when I went to enroll on insurance panels, which give me the referrals um, for clients, um, none of them were uh, JAWS friendly. They were not um, screen reader friendly, and they still aren't. And so um, I uh, learned about something called um, the Individual Development Account, or IDA account, and it is, it, this came into um, being in Oregon in, well, in, in the late 90s, Congress um, appropriated, came up with the, we adopted the American Dream Demonstration Act. And this was a pilot program Um, for um, individual development accounts. And it later became uh, a a national program. Um, It was um, administered by... Now, I wrote as assess for independence when I did my interview with the person about the program, it might be Access for Independence, but it's ASI. And um, this, um, as I said, became a national program. And um, it's in almost every state. And in 2016, Congress... um, accidentally forgot to put it back in the budget. So um, it uh, didn't get reappropriated. Um, The program began as a response to uh, the housing crisis. And in Oregon, um, Jeff, Senator Merkley um, started um, a program at a social service agency called Impact Northwest. And, um, and this is funded through uh, tax credits. And um, it's accessed through, um, well, in Oregon, um, we, it first started through the Oregon Housing, the Oregon K-12 
community housing. And it um, enabled people who were low income to buy homes. And it has also been extended to help people grow their small businesses. Um, the first year it was used was in 2003, and each year the um, amount of the tax credit um, to, be collect to be collected goes up, and now it is um, over $10 million. Um, and 100% of the funds go to the individual development account recipients. Um, so this is great incentive for donors. And um, today, programs are funded through uh, state tax credits and administered by um, assess for Independence, ASI. Um, and so there's a um, American Demonstration Project, uh, let's see, American Dream Demonstration Project. I'm going to give you a couple of websites in a minute. Um, so Um, they're run through various nonprofit organizations and in, administered um, through partner organizations. In Oregon, we have the Oregon IDA. Uh, we are one of the biggest programs in the country, so in Oregon. Um, I went through um, a nonprofit in Oregon that's called CASA, and that is not to be confused with um, child advocates, and um, they work with uh, neighborhood partnerships um, and the... Um, CASA is the granting organization, um, and they work with small uh, community agencies to help people uh, get funded. So what happens is you set up a, you enroll in the program, you have to go through an eligibility like means process, it's income or asset based. And um, so then when I did it, I had to develop the savings account and keep saving for six months. And I could not access the money until I had um, saved for six months. So I came up with a savings goal and um, I worked with Community Vision, which was uh, is um, a social service agency for people with developmental disabilities in Oregon. But other companies do it, like Mercy Corps is one of them. 
if you've heard of that. Um, after I um, started the savings account, I had to um, take a bunch of classes on innovation and financial management and things like that. And then when I completed those steps, then I was able to um, access my savings. And I had to go through, every time I wanted to do something, I had to um, fill out paperwork and get permission to make a withdrawal from my account. And um, I was able to use my money for first month office space, um, liability insurance, um, continuing education, and one of the best things that I ever used it for was a $500 class called um, Private Practice Boot Camp. And um, that en enabled me to um, find out about a resource that, of a woman that would help me enroll on insurance panels to get my referrals because none of them were user-friendly with screen readers. And um, within a month of her uh, getting me enrolled, I was getting referrals. I went from having about um, maybe 10 sessions a week to now I'm having about 50 paid sessions, I mean 10 sessions, yeah, a week. Now I'm going, I'm getting about 50 sessions a month. Paid, I count my paid sessions, not my, um, clients. Um, in um, some states, the cap is you can, you can er, use up to $20,000 of the grant money. In other states, it's around $10,000. And um, so what happens is you contribute 25% of the funds that you need for whatever you're going for, and the granting program provides 75%. So um, up to $20,000 or $10,000. Um, in, in Oregon, you can use it for housing or business growth. In other states, um, it might be um, for tied to specific things like equipment or education. Um, there's a program called Hacienda, that is zip code specific. So, um, and to find out if, so there are programs in many states. There is not one in Wyoming. There are some in California. Well, I will say Washington, Oregon, and Montana and Texas. But you can, um, go to prosperitynow.org. So um, prosperitynow.org. And there's a map. There will be a bunch of icons. And you can um, see if there's a program for an individual development account program in your state. Another one, another website, if you're just interested, it's called OregonIDAinitiative.org, OregonIDAinitiative.org, and 
um, you can learn more about it there. Um, even if you're not from Oregon, it might be interesting for you to look at it. Okay, um, so that's um, a pretty much what I wanted to tell you about, that it's a great business growth opportunity. Um, I did go through the Commission for the Blind, and they actually paid for my um, person who enrolled me on the insurance panels. But, um, I, and in order to be a self-employment, in order for my vocational goal to be self-employment, um, not only did I have to do the IDA thing, because I was doing the IDA thing, I had to do a feasibility study as well as a business plan in order for the Commission for the Blind in Oregon to approve my self-employment goal. But um, I am now, it's taken me about three years, but I'm almost to my goal of my income potential that I wanna have, so thank you. Great, Darian. Great, Darian, thank you. Um, now, uh, before we get to questions, and I do wanna get to questions, I asked Will also, since he's a CAP representative, since he, uh, you know, since he has worked with agencies on problems that come up between the agencies and the, uh, and the consumer, uh, if he would share a couple of stories or share a couple of uh, problem areas that you guys can look out for um, so that you can avoid all of that um, process. So, Will? Typically, have never run a business. <laughs> and 
so that makes it uh, very difficult uh, for them uh, to um, kind of step in your way as to what you want to do. So um, what we have today, um, it's really good to look for those resources in your local, your region, your city, your state, um, because as we all know, uh, vocational rehabilitation always says they're the payer of last resort. Um, so it's going to be incumbent upon you if you have a case, an open case with them, um, to look out for resources yourself. Um, also ask for those resources from your VR counselor, because a lot of times those um, case managers um, and even those that are in charge of approving um, business plans and, and things like that have not run a, a business um, themselves or have never run a successful business. Um, I think that was, those were the main two things. Um, a lot of the others were um, not um, uh, specific to um, blind and visually impaired, they kind of range uh, in a lot of areas. But those stood out to me. And they, these were from uh, CAP reps from all over the country. Great, well, thanks. So um, what questions do you have? We've got uh, time for two or three questions. What is the difference, Dave Trevino, by the way, what is the difference between a feasibility study and a business plan, and in what order do they need to be conducted? Do you want me to answer that? Sure. So, the, the business, plan, business plan was the first thing I had to do um, to, uh, to be part of the grant program. And then when the Commission for the Blind got involved, they wanted me to do a feasibility study. And basically what it was was an expanded business plan that included a labor market survey. So I had to be able to um, demonstrate that, that my, my, my job was, my plan was sustainable and, you know, where my payments were going to come from. And so it's kind of a, an expanded business plan that includes a labor market survey um, and, and information about where the trends in the industry that you're in. It's kind of like the difference between a business plan and a marketing plan, right? Right. You know who's who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna take advantage of your business? Are you gonna be able to make money at it? Right. Okay. And the business plan is how your business is going to be executed. Right. Set up and executed. That, that's a succinct explanation. <laughs> All right. Great. Anybody else? 
Hello, this is Julie Harlow. A couple questions. Um, one, I'm sorry, the gentleman from Texas on the phone, I forgot your name. You had talked about um, uh, the accessibility equipment on the business plan. I was a little confused there. I shouldn't have it in there, I shouldn't have it in there. That was question one. The second question that I'm trying to find the answer to, as um, a deaf-blind person, um, needing an SSP, am I able to write off those kind of services? Or if we do have IRA or other things like that, are we able to write these things off tax-wise? Certainly. Okay, um, yes, you can write off any expense that you need to have to have your business. Like I have readers and drivers that I need to be able to go different places to conduct my business. Or if I want to go to a mixer, a business mixer, or if I want to go to an event, I can write off all of those expenses. So if you use IRA, you can write that off as a business expense. Any, any type of things like that. And what was your first part of your question? Um, the gentleman on the phone, he was talking about having JAWS on the business plan. Um, accessibility equipment. I, I was a little confused on, are we supposed to have that? Um, oh, I think what he meant is that, that you should try to get your training as part of your VR training before you do your business plan because that shouldn't have to be an expense of working on your business. That should be something you do before you go into your entrepreneurship because otherwise you might not be able to get enough expenses covered to get your business really going. I think that's what he was alluding to. He's no longer on the phone, so. Okay, so like getting JAWS, getting Braille displays, making sure we have that equipment underneath our, our yearly plan, getting those equipment and not under part of business expense equipment. Right. Okay. I, I would like to add to that, if yeah. it's okay. Um, when you are a client of a rehab agency for the blind, it's, you really need to learn as much as you can about what services they offer, because they aren't necessarily going to tell you. So if you have an idea of something you need, you need to ask about it. And um, the more you can advocate for yourself, the better your services are going to be. It, and to the point where I really got everything I wanted because I knew what I wanted and I could articulate it and act, advocate for myself and tell them why I needed it, what I was going to do with it, and how it would benefit me and my business. So um, that's really about self-advocating. And so I'm going to put a plug in for my book, which is called Speak Up for Yourself. Get what you need and feel good about it. And it covers the things that I think people fall short on in doing self-advocacy. So um, really speak, really be willing to advocate for yourself. Where can you get that book? Yes. Oh, it's on Amazon in paperback, and it's in the Kindle store, and it will be on Audible in the next two or three months, and it will be on Bookshare. With this um, own business thing, can it still work? Um, 
and, and still be able to get, uh, you know, Social Security or... Uh-huh. Good question. Yes. If you have a benefit, if you, if you learn about your benefits, there are benefits planners or benefits counselors. And, um, and one thing you should know is not only can you write off business expenses that any business person can, but you can also, um, it's called blindness-related work expenses or BWEs. So anything that you need that, it, that allows you to do your job as a blind person, um, like buying jaws or SMAs, um, equipment, whatever you need, um, if you, you need to keep really good records of anything that you do that's a business-related expense or a blindness related expense because if you are on SSDI you know you can only earn I don't remember what the cap is right now 1200 What was it? 1200 Okay so if if you earn over that amount and you do good record keeping and you have all your expenses you can use those BWEs to um, bring down your income below SGA. So SGA is um, substantial gainful activity, or what's the, anyway, um, if you are really good at it, you'll be able to bring your income down, your gross income down below SGA, and you won't lose your SSDI. What do you get I, that from? I can't really talk about how that works with SSI. I think you really want a pass plan if you're on SSI. Oh, no, I get SSA. Yeah. So. yeah. What's your net income to be pretty gross? You, you want your gross income to come down below SGA if you want to keep your Social Security. Okay. But you really that? want to earn tons of money so you don't have to worry about it. Exactly. That's <laughs> true, right. too. But what company do I do that through? What's that? What company do I do that through? Do I, do I, how do I prove it? Or my, that you said I have to prove that my spendings. You need to keep records to show the IRS, right? Because oh. or, or, or the, Social, uh, Social Security. Security, Social Security, oh. because they're the ones who determine whether you're um, whether you're eligible for Social Security benefits or not. So you need to show them, you know, you, probably proactively, because if they yes. see if they see income coming in um, that exceeds that the right. uh, whatever the you know whatever the current thing is, um, they'll cut you off after what is it five months or nine something months. like nine months. So, um, but you, so you need to take a proactive stance in uh, sending in the fat, you know, your expenses. Uh, your business-related uh, blindness bwees uh, uh, to to make sure they understand that you know that some of that stuff uh, bought you things that were necessary for you actually to be in business. With, with reference to unoccurred business expense, um, a lot of the blind vendors use that as well. It's a special provision in the Social Security law that if you receive some services or equipment because of your blindness is you can declare it as business expense and they'll keep you down below the SGA quite readily. 
example, the typical example is like uh, if you have a vending machine in uh, wherever you have a vending machine, it, it with the swing of the door, it occupies um, 27 square feet of space. At the current rental rate of business property, 27 square feet equates to about $2,700 that you can deduct. Even though you didn't pay it, you can deduct it because you are given that space because of the Randolph Shepard Act. And you can deduct part of the parking lot expense even though you have nothing to do with the parking lot. Uh, is it called unincurred business expense? And, a, and you can call Social Security. Most Social Security officers are unaware of it, but it's, it, it is in the Red Book. And um, we have a speaker on that every year at Sagebrush because that is such a hot topic that um, people are they can't afford to be off SSI or SSDI because of medical insurance. So they have to keep their income below SGA. And so it's unincurred business expense allows for that, and it's only for blindness-related um, issues. Also, if you have a spouse that works for you, oh yeah, you can deduct the, what you would normally pay a person. Even if you didn't pay her. Yeah, even if you didn't pay her, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Great. So that's all we have time for. We're really coming up on 4 o'clock, and I know some of us have a meeting at 4.15 that we're not sure where to go yet. And there are several other, uh, several other uh, um, sessions this week. Uh, the uh, Employment Committee is putting on a session about, uh, uh, you know, working with uh, SSI and SSDI, I believe. Wednesday at 2.45. Wednesday at 2.45. And, and uh, RSVA has several things uh, going all, all week, and Ivy has several things going. So please check your programs for other opportunities to learn more about this, and we really thank you for being here. One thing I forgot to say is that... Um, oh, oh, and I... Do you have... What I wanted to make sure also is that uh, if you registered with, uh, you know, an email address... Um, we will get that email address and we will send you some resources, including a bunch of um, uh, websites and that kind of thing that will be helpful to you. Um, if you ha didn't put your email in when you registered, um, please come up to the front of the room and so we can get your information and you can get those resources.